It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. A. Josie alongside. Spence is here. How we doing, sir? Man, listen, this is going in a week three for me, man, from, you know, being on this isolation thing. It's getting rough, man. My beard's coming in. I'm realizing the mistakes all my barbers make. So my, my face hair is coming in. I'm like, man, they can take me all the time. I hear you. I, yeah, I'm looking a little rough, too, but I do have some clippers. But I saw P. Diddy the other day, and he let his stuff go. I said, I'm going to see this what this happens here, all this gray hair coming in. Let's see what it looked like. I ain't got nothing else to do. Let it grow. <laughs> Nah, it's all good. Um, in the last episode, we had uh, Johnny Johnson on. We talked about um, the dissertation process and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that particular podcast went? I think it went well. I think he provided some really good insight, you know, especially for people that are either in the process of getting um, their doctorate or considering the process. And it, it's difficult like that. That little process there, man, um, you know, it gives you more gray heads than anything else because you go in with high expectations. You come out like, like he was in a war with Mike Tyson. Yeah, man, definitely a 12-round, 15-round bout, man. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, it gets the best of you. You just got to get back to your corner, get some water, and get back out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a tough thing to do. Um, as some of you know, um, I recently joined the coaching staff at Rowan University women's uh, basketball uh, team, and uh, we just came off our season. Um, a very successful season, went 25-4, and four, um, ended up winning the NJAC championship, um, had multiple players that had, you know, players of the week, and uh, I think we had one of the leading rebounders in, in the country. Um, and the surprising thing about it is the team was was really young, is really young, made up of a lot of freshmen and, and um, sophomores. I think we only had two or three juniors on the team. Um, and, you know, had the experience of going to the NCAA tournament. Um, unfortunately, uh, some things happened, but the virus started beginning there. So we kind of had to play one of the games without any fans, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and ended up um, losing. Uh, but it, it, it didn't matter because the tournament never finished. So um, it was definitely a, a successful uh, season. Um, I have the privilege of having Coach Coles on. Um, he is no stranger to the show. I think this is his third or fourth time actually on the podcast. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, welcome back to the to the show. How you doing, Coach? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time out and um, chopping it up with us a little bit. Um, I want to dig into uh, more about your philosophy and, and the culture that you, you try to – to build uh, throughout the season. So I want to go back to the beginning um, when you were first hired and you finally got the idea that, you know, you're going to put this team together. What was the the culture that you were looking to build um, for, for the team? Well, the, the main thing was, is, was being happy and having fun. Uh, I started with those two things. Um, the, The previous atmosphere we had wasn't that. So, it was kind of going straight directly to the opposite. And I wanted the to empower every player on the team. You know, this is your culture. It's not mine. I can sit here and talk. You know, I told him my day. But you guys got to impose your will. You got to be the characters. You got to, you know, you know, just envelope everything about what you want to do in terms of having a good, happy college basketball career. And so, but those two things were were the basis of it. You got to have fun in anything you want to do, and you got to be happy with it. And that's all that matters. Um, So I started with that. 
So taking that in consideration, um, tell people how your practices would go. Um, I know, obviously, I was there, so there was an opportunity for them to to have fun, um, but it also was an atmosphere of, of being focused. Um, so how did how did that 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 concept of have being you know having fun and being happy? How did it manifest itself um, through practices and in the way that you approach the game? Well, it's, it's, I mean, we, we're you know we. We want to develop them. They they have to understand that they're developing players. So you got to give them short term goals, um, mini goals, and 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 have it at the same time be competitive. So the, you know the ultimate goal is win national championship. But you're not going to do that if you're not going to take the steps in between. And um, you know just the just the development day after day, what you guys the, the assistant coaches did before practice started and then letting me sit back and see what we need to do, you know, as a team as a whole and, and taking the rest of the practices. I, ca- I guess it kind of helped because they didn't hear my voice the whole time, mm-hmm. but you, we wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that we take the proper You just don't become a champion just because you say it. You just, you have to do it. And they, they were diligent in doing it day in and day out. And they, they loved the atmosphere because they created it. Right. Well, Coach Kareem, what Coach Toad said earlier about having fun and, and, and those things are the things that we kind of preach. I remember I was preaching in Atlanta about uh, hip hop and the love, peace, and unity and having fun. Um, do you think that there's space for that within the educational arena or any organizational uh, arena? I mean, you, you have to include that as one of the pillars in anything in every walk of life, because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, now what happens, it becomes what? Like work. Mm. And I know that for myself, like even going through the process of certain classes in college, it just felt like work. It just wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. Going through like certain classes in high school, it just wasn't fun. It felt like work. Playing baseball, I mean, at times it just starts feeling like work. And after a while, you you lose your passion and, and you lose any type of connection or emotional connection that you have when it just becomes just work. Mm-hmm. And you have that emotion of having fun. Now it becomes enjoyable. You want to show up to practice. You, you want to stay late. You want to come to the classroom early. You want to talk to your parents. You want to be able to have fun with your students and, and have that enjoyable moment. But if you can't have fun, this like defeats the purpose of even why you're doing it. So it goes back to the why. Like, why are you doing it if it's like no fun? Right, right. Now, coach, you built the culture. You have this idea of the culture, um, but the culture is only going to live um, based upon who you have. Uh, available mm-hmm. for you, the type of players and the, and, and the staff that you had. Um, talk about, I guess, you know, I know there was a situation where, you know, you got rid of certain things or certain types of people. Like, what kind of people um, do you look for in order to, to make that culture work? Well, the for the players, uh, I put in a lot of time, and you always look for competitive players, uh, players who may have brought their teams to the playoffs consecutive times of high school and I, you know, I followed all those young ladies, you know, over the past several years. But being having a competitive nature, really in the edge, really brings, uh, really can change that culture because you don't turn that on and off. You have that every day, and if you have it in practice, it's great. And that usually trans transfers over. Um, with the assistant coaches, it was. Um, I mean, I coached Anissa, I coached Mandy. Uh, Coach Gene has a lot of experience. Uh, you have a lot of experience. Um, 
Uh, Ryan was just coming on, so but you guys are all successful off the court, and you know, which really helped because they, you guys were a different type of influence than than I was myself. But you guys were all successful, and that made it that that kind of enclosed the culture. Man, these young they were happy every day. They were they were smiling every day mm-hmm. just to be there. So and and you know the place. But my thing is just having people who are successful off the court, especially the adults. With with uh, with that connection with with Shauna and and Anissa and Mandy, having just played, you know, uh, women's basketball was an even greater connection because you know I'm a male, so I maybe think of, of the game a little bit differently, you know, and sometimes like that. But it was a good connection for our young ladies to have all that enclosed. It was just perfect. I would say it was a perfect atmosphere. Right. Now, can you talk about also, you know, surrounding yourself around successful people? Um, how important is it to have in, in, on an organizational level, um, you, you know, that support system and having people around, I guess, that buy into, you know, the, the culture of that system? Well, not only just having successful people, but you also, like myself, I have a mentor, right? And I continuously, you know, have that connection with him, whereas though that he can say things to me that other people can't. And part of that is because of the connection that I have. So I don't take offense to anything that he says because I know that what he's saying is a is a critique to make me better. He's, mm-hmm. He wants things for me that he has himself. So he always, and from the day, from day one, he always said that I always, always want you to have um, more than what I have. I want you to be more successful than I, when, what I was. So when you surround yourself around people that has your best interest in mind, now what happens is that you start to rise to a different level. And your your emotions and your mentality changes because you know that these people have your best interests in mind. Like they're not doing this because they're getting a paycheck. They're doing this because they want to truly see you be um, successful in whatever it is that you're trying to do in any aspect and walk of life. So even if you talk about that in the teaching realm, like when you start to be able to build that rapport with a student and they know that you have that best interest in mind, they'll go through a brick wall for you. Mm. Mm, yes, that's true. Now, Coach, we, we talked about, you know, you had this during practice, which I found was really interesting that you have a halftime. And during that halftime, you know, we sit and we, we talk about different things. And it may be basketball related and it may be life related. Um, one of the, the, the discussions that we had with several players is about finding their value on a team. Um, I think what's amazing about this particular team is that you have, we had a whole bunch of different girls with different skill sets. And they mm-hmm. kind of figure it out. I don't even know if they figured it out or if it was, you know, the, the coaching staff kind of put those pieces together. But it, they figured that it, it worked. And as a result, I think we had a team that was not selfish. How do you get your players to, to buy into what their value is on the team? I think it starts with the recruiting. Well, I know it does because I'm the one who did it and put the pieces together. Well, if you if you if you have a player who can come in and like Nicole, she's very multifaceted. You know, if you have a, a young lady like Savannah Holt, she can really shoot. If you put those pieces together, and they can see that they have a part of it, and 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 they can enrich the team with their comfortable doing, and it fits, you know, with Ayana, with Kennedy, you know, and everybody else. You know, you find that you can empower yourself. Like, hey, this is what I can do. Find my role. You know, I fit because it counter it counters. You know, somebody my other teammates' weaknesses or strengths. Mm-hmm. So when you find your when you find that and you realize, like, I really he's letting me do this. This is what I can do. Mm-hmm. So it, it empowers them a little bit more 
So they, they want to get better. They work harder and they like it. And, and, and like Rain said, it's not work. You just, you're just doing it. You're just having a good time. You, you look forward towards doing it. Right, right. And I, and I know we talked about in previous podcasts, everything that's going on right now, and this is the perfect time for you to do a self <laughs> piece. Part of that to me, I think, is finding whatever organization that you're in, like really asking yourself what value you bring. Um, mm-hmm. And then also looking for other avenues for you to increase your value. Um, when I went on the coaching staff with them, I, you know, I didn't really know the whole staff. I didn't know people's roles. So I tried to find little things, even if it was like timeouts, pulling the chair out from, from coaches so that, you know, people don't trip over stuff. And I was just trying mm-hmm. to find little pockets of how I can, you know, add value to, to that organization. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us about, you know, how people can assess their value in terms of any organization. I think, and I like to, to think of like the Detroit Pistons. Um, the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons. So none of those guys were overly talented outside of Isaiah. But you had like a Dennis Rodman that would do the little stuff to go do the rebound again, will play like defense. And then you had like a Mark McGuire who, who can actually score in a post. So I think that when you're looking at any organization and whether it's a team or is it classroom or you just look for people that can actually do the little stuff. And if you happen to be one of those guys that have to do the little stuff, then Humble yourself and do the little stuff because it's not a big deal. You're only going to improve on the entire building and the entire culture because everybody's looking at you. As soon as you start pointing your finger and saying, you know what, I want to be the star, like I, I want to be LeBron, now what happens is that everybody wants to be LeBron. Now everybody's become selfish and everybody's out to get theirs, but that's not what a true team is. That's not the true spirit. You right. want people that's exactly. Want to do exactly. Stuff. Right. The other flip side of that, too, is that you have people – um, that say that's not my job, you know. I'm just mm-hmm. in my lane. I'm staying in my lane. But the job mm-hmm. is to get done. And that irks me to no end. Um, mm-hmm. as, as the principal, I sweep the cafeteria floor. I'm not, mm-hmm. but the floor is dirty. It needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I think you know successful organizations, whether it be a basketball team or not, once you find your lane, but you also got to understand that may not just be your only job. Like I know, mm-hmm. Coach has been telling the uh, players that we need to have rebounds. You know, Ayana mm-hmm. can't be the only one that's rebounding all. So mm-hmm. Savannah can shoot. She's got mm-hmm. to find another piece, you know what I mean, to increase that that value. Mm-hmm. But what so so what happens if, if I'm a shooter and I'm off? Because we have those nights when you just off. So now you're just not gonna shoot, you're gonna sit on the bench and you're yeah. gonna coach. It's it's just, right. You gotta do other things. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um so coach, we had, a, like I said, we had a successful season and, and you know, in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, we look at our record for 25 and four uh, would be considered a success. How do you personally measure success uh, as, you know, as a coach? Um, the daily work, the daily, the, the everything is in preparation for me. Mm-hmm. That is success. Um, having, having a gauge of, what the team is going through, the ups and downs, you know, the goods and the bads, and, and coming in every day and trying to plug in a piece where it doesn't have the whole practice doesn't have to be dedicated to what's happened, good or bad, but just just letting everybody know that I feel the pulse kind of helps, um, and, and you 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 just want to just plug plug away every day. That's success because then you, everybody can see that in 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 terms of. You know, when the players come in, we all, you know, and you know the coach is going to come in and, and, you know, have practice done up and down. Sometimes I change in practice. I can have something written down, you know, because that's the other part of it is being flexible. 
Mm. Um, and, and and you have to do that because you know maybe something's maybe they're not feeling good one day, or maybe they you can have a a sense that maybe they've been up late and studying hard or partying, you know. But you, you know because it's college, they're going to do that. So you have to be a little bit flexible. But in terms of success, I think that's all enhanced with all that in one in terms of feeling your team and working hard and diligently and success to come out of that. Right. Right. I definitely think that leadership is, is very fluid. You have to, to me, the artistry of leadership is to be able to um, be flexible and, and to be able to move your organization in, in, in different directions. Um, one of the things when you talk, it kind of struck my mind was that um, during sports, right, you have a, I know the girls enjoy being around each other on and off the court, and they, it was really sort of getting to a point where they were, were being family. And, and I guess, Kareem, this is more of a question for you, but how come more businesses and organizations don't encourage their employees to, to have that same bond? If you know I mean, you don't got to necessarily be, like, hanging around each other all the time, but that translates itself on the court uh, into trust and things of that nature. Um, do you think there's space for that in any organization for, for them to do certain things like that? It, it is, but I think that it ultimately starts at the top. So if you see that the leaders of the organization or even the leaders of the building are closely connected and they, they having like a, a relationship that goes beyond school, whereas though they actually like really like each other. Now what happens is that that, that sort of, or transitioning down to others, like a ripple effect and it transitions down to, to the rest of the building to where everybody's looking at the leadership and saying that, man, you know what? They have an outstanding relationship. Why why can't we as a, a teaching staff have that kind of relationship? Or why can't we as a specialist have that type of relationship? So ultimately it starts at the top and everybody's always looking at leadership. Yeah. So if the leaders of the basketball team or if the leaders in, in coaching or if the leaders in, in, the, in the building is not having a good rapport, doesn't have a good relationship, then they don't cause a divide. So yeah. for instance, if you, you have someone that continuously always wants to talk in negative realms about someone in the building that creates a really bad culture mm. or if it's somebody in the team that's all always having like to say something negative or backbiting or talk about someone else's um, boyfriend or girlfriend or mother or father or anything any type of negativity will cause any it will cause a divide and with that you always have a team that is never going to be on the same page that is true. And it's so easy in the educational world because you, you're, you're divided already by department, mm -hmm. by grade level. So it's a lot easier to do that. And one of the things I try to do is have these, these adventure clubs where staff mm -hmm. go out and do something that they've never done before and kind of just intermingle with each other. The team building stuff, I think, is really mm -hmm. important. Um, and I noticed, Coach, when in practice, um, there was really no separation between the guards and the bigs. So I know some coaches, uh, when they go to practice, uh, you know, the guards be working on one thing and the bigs are working on, on, on the other thing. Uh, was it intentional for you to have uh, those practices where it really didn't matter and you were doing those little things like at the end of the practice, you know, find three people before you leave? Were those things intentional or, you know, was that part of your system? Well, well, both. Yeah, that is, they reflect kind of me, really. Uh, you know, when I played, I was a player with size but had a lot of skill. Um but you have to develop that, and that's that's part of my also to me coaching in Europe. All the bigs did the same thing the guards did, so you develop that skill with the ball. Um, and the American way is kind of the, the bigs don't handle the ball, so when they get it, you can't really count on them unless it's a dunk or a layup. 
but I, I want our bigs to be able to handle the ball like the guard and shoot like the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other part, finding three people, was more of a mentality of um, and find three people in halftime. I did it in Europe as well. Just staying connected with your teammates. The halftime is, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, we can go in there and talk about anything. It didn't have to be about basketball, just uh, a daily release of maybe stress or maybe a joke or maybe you just want to talk about anything, you know, just, just a rest in the middle of the work. And, 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 it, and it reflected on the team because they relaxed and came out in the second half of practice. They great every day. Um, with the finding three people, just staying connected, you know, just showing your teammates that you appreciated them, you know, competing against you all day and whatever. And may, maybe some teammates did have some friction, but at least you still, shook your teammates' hand every day after after you you know, you put in the work. Um and that's just to stay connected and stay, you know, family like in, in, in terms of, you know, treating everybody how you want to be treated. And that's how you build that 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 up, that daily connection. The you know, just talking about anything doesn't have to be about basketball. And I thought it would really help the relationships between, you know, all the new players that we had it'd be a big influence on them because they can carry it out through their career. So I won't even have to say it. At some at a certain point in, in, during the season, I, ha- I didn't even have to say it. They did it anyway. So, you know, it just become a habit of having a connection with your teammates. I think one of the big things that made us so dangerous as a basketball team is um, because the, the guards could play just – or the base can play just like guards, teams couldn't figure out how to stop us. Like, you know – one day somebody could go off for 20 and the next day somebody else would be going off for 20 and shooting threes. And it, it was a lot of versatility that existed in there. Um, and as a, as a result, uh, what I think a lot of organizations fall victim of is if the leader goes down, the whole organization crumbles. Right. So I think, you know, taking that basic philosophy and applying it to um, organizations where everyone's a leader, you know, you empower everyone in, in some shape or fashion. So if something does happen and you need to, be flexible, um, the whole organization and the whole culture doesn't crumble. Um, and the, the, the three um, at the end of practice, I, I think that's something that educators in any organization should practice too. Before you leave the building, say, at least, well, at least say good morning to your colleagues. There's a lot of people do <laughs> <laughs> even say good morning to, you know, to, their, to their colleagues. So I think, you know, uh-huh. bits and pieces are some things that are easily transferable over to any organization. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let me ask you this, Miso, because, you know, you and I both have been in the hallways. And one of the things that we try to do, um, you know, routinely is be able to touch a kid. Not now with this Corona thing, but um, just be able to give a kid a fist bump to be able to, um, you know, reach out to them and just to check on them and see how their day making out. So mm-hmm. what happens if the entire building is doing this? Mm-hmm. What type of camaraderie do you have when everybody's doing this and everybody's looking forward to seeing the kids? Yeah, I actually brought that over to the school that I currently work in now, and every single day I give a student a fist bump, but they need to talk to me in the handshake. Um, and then that transferred over to the staff. Now, the staff, mm-hmm. and that transferred over to their staff had these symbols outside of their door. So when the kids come in, they decided how they wanted to be greeted, whether it was a handshake, fist bump, or whatever. And that translated into I'm in the community, parents are giving me fist bumps and handshakes. So I, that simple gesture, it ain't got to be anything big but that simple gesture at least from a, a, a leadership standpoint allows me to f- get the pulse of the, the building for the day and mm-hmm. I, I can tell you right now who's going to have a fight and who had you know mm-hmm. was angry last night for those simple things and i'm able to cut off i probably cut 50 percent of my discipline down 
by simply mm -hmm. going around and doing those those simple things. I think any leader or anybody that's part of any organization, those small things, you need to assess how that your day is going to go and get a pulse mm -hmm. of, of of that organization. So I think that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. And even if we take that into the, the scope of like your um, your girls' basketball team, and you talk about like during the introduction, you know, everybody, you know, from what I've seen, you know, everybody greets each other. Like they greet the coaches, they'll greet, you know, the other team. But once the competition starts, you truly see the character of the person, or rather, not if when you're coming off the bench, right? If you're actually going to be as enthusiastic as you are at the beginning of the game. When 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 you have to come off the game because you have an off game, how are you going to be still enthusiastic to go see one of your teammates go in and play for you to be able to pick the team up? So that really is a true sign of character if you are really who you say you are. Are you really? You see other people who have success, or is it really about you? Can you coach, can you touch on that a little bit without going into great detail? Because uh, I know that's one of your one of one of the big things that you focused on this this uh, season. Yeah, well, the, well, the, the versatility um, part that that's where it all it, you get the power for that because you know it could be if it's not your night, that's okay. You, your your teammate is going to lift you up, and we're going to help to get this W. And if you really, you know, buy into everything we do in terms of uh, being like our identity statements, we're being relentless, resilient, and versatile. So, so when, you're ver when you have, especially the versatility part, I mean, if you, it, we let you, if you're, if you got four three pointers, we want you to have eight. I mean, I mean, but if you're shooting over eight, it's okay. It's still shoot it. But if you're not, your teammates is on, be happy for your teammates. And when and when you see the results and when you see everything, the joy and the, and the fun out of it, instead of taking your, you want to take yourself out of it. You you have to be humble real quick. So it, it just helps out being humble, but understanding the value of of, of having the teammates because it's not all about you. Gotcha. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, the talk about the difference between um, the regular season and then tournament play. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we won the NJAC, uh, but even going into the NCAA tournaments, um, what what is really if any player that's out there that never experienced it? Like, what is the difference between the regular season play and then when you move into play? I, I think the, the real competitors come out, uh, you know, individually, the, the ones who really, really, you know, want to compete at that level, at the best, because you're, you're playing against the best of the, the rest of the country. So either either you you shine or or you or you don't, um, and it, you you kind of you kind of like like our situation was different because it wasn't any atmosphere or anything like that. It was too bad. I really feel bad for the players because of what happened. Um, but it would we would have loved to have the fans where we can you know those fans would have been against us and we could have fed off that. But uh, but the biggest difference is just the talent. The talent level goes up. And you got to play big time. It's big time. The big show. Absolutely. Um, for those of you who don't know, that we were in tournament play, and uh, because of the coronavirus, we didn't have any fans there. Um, so it was even from a coach's standpoint, it was tough to even get into that mentality because uh, it was oh, yeah. it was like practice almost, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so it was definitely a challenge for them. But um, the other thing I think is that when you get the tournament play, it's a lot of details need to be focused 
Uh, like Coach said, everyone is good at that point. You know, you got great athletes, but it's going to come down to who can handle the details and who can handle the moments of adversity better, uh, which is it, it's, it's a tough thing to do um, in that setting because, you know, your emotions are running high and, you, you know, you want to win, uh, but fall back and say, I need to pay attention to this detail right here, um, which is huge. Mm-hmm. The- yeah. You got to you got to you got to have details. You, I mean, you get down to the nitty gritty. You got to know as when you're on the floor, what happened the last three possessions? Did it go good or did it swing our way? Or do you want to keep killing them with the momentum or do we really need to dig in and get a stop? So you know, details are huge. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like, Coach, you're talking about basketball IQ and being able to develop that during the regular season so that when, when you get there and your, your talent level may not be as high as the opposing team, but you can actually think your way through. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the approach should be that every day is, is a tournament day. Like, you know what I mean? That's how you prepare. That's how you should prepare every single day. Um, but to me, if you're a teacher in a classroom, you should be preparing for that your kids are going to take the test tomorrow, whatever it is. Like, every day that should be the, the day before the tournament. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that when you those kids get into the tournament, you know, they'll, they'll be ready to handle it. Like, teaching and basketball is, like, go hand-in-hand because, hand, really, the, the real work goes in practice. Game time, I tell coaches all the time, I said it's popcorn time. We'll sit back and watch it Yeah, oh, yeah. Because it's, it's definitely out of your hands. And it's sort of, as an educator, it's sort of the same thing. Like, you know, you, you prepared them to this point. It's time to take the test, sit back, and watch the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, make sure they're not stepping on that three-point line and getting two and, and getting credit for three. That's cheating. You can't be doing that. You can't step on that line. You got to stay <laughs> behind, back of that line. So you always got to watch out for people that's going to be cheating. Uh, well, we, we, we practice four-pointers, so we stay away from the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to switch gears one more time before we get out of here. Uh, the, the NBA is talking about making some changes right now and they're looking at some different things and different scenarios. I, I read one of the changes today is that they were talking about getting rid of the, the possibility of fouling out. <laughs> Coach, how do you feel about, about that? Oh, uh, I think that would be horrible. That would be draconian. It just You'd just be fouling just to be fouling. I'm, I didn't hear that, but yeah. I'm glad I didn't. But I, I don't think that should ever happen. You should, It should be, you know, Competitive and fair for both teams, and I think that that takes the takes the the game away from the, the what we want to see. We don't want to see fouls, right. you know. We want to see a foul shooting parade. But, <laughs> How do you think that it, that would happen if Bill Lambert was still in the league? I think if if, if we're going back to eighties and nineties. Basketball was different. I think it was a lot more competitive. Like, they wasn't able to play the zone. You had to play man-to-man. Um, and you was actually able to use your hands so that all this, like, crossing me over, like, I just put an elbow in your chest, and that's not going to win out to you. You're gone for five minutes. Mm-hmm. You come through the lane, and I may just have to flip you upside down because this is where the big boys play. So it would be tough. And like Coach said, going back, and you don't want to take it back. I mean, I like the way basketball is being played now. Um, I'm not too happy with the amount of complaining that goes on with referees. I would like to see them scale that back just a little bit, but it'd be tough if we brought Lambert back. If we brought Lambert back, then we got to bring back Oakley. You know, people didn't mess with Oakley. Oakley slapping the face. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
I think the game, I think all sports right now is getting a little too soft. I get why football is making their changes, but basketball, some of the changes that they made, as a coach, you got to get used to it. Like, you can't touch anybody. Like like you said back in the day, mm-hmm. you cross that lane, you get in the elbow to the chest. But, you know, when you're dribbling, I can have at least one hand on you. Like, the game was more physical. Um, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It, it drives me insane a little bit, some of these, these rules that they're having. It, it's sort of like me, so because you're a football guy as well. Like, you're playing corner, right? And you can't play bump and run covers. Like, you just got to let him free release off the, off the line of scrimmage, and you can't touch him. Right. You know how hard that is to keep up with somebody where you don't even know where they're going? They know where they're going, but you don't. Yeah. Even if somebody's posted up, right? Like, I can't really, you know, touch them too much, but they can back on me all back, back me down all day long. But I can't really touch them as a defender. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't like the way they post defense is almost automatically a foul all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, so I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Uh, again, Coach, congratulations on your accolades, Coach of the Year, uh, and everything that's going on. And um, uh, Thank you for your help and support. You was right, right there along with us. That helped us a whole lot. Thank you. I mean, um, I think and one day I'll have a podcast of, of you know, the people that we grew up with, because um, I think the story is really special. I know we talked about doing a documentary, but, um, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I think you've seen parts of it that, you know, it's really important when you have a community of people that really truly support each other, you know what I'm saying? Regardless of where they are in life or how, you know, they're doing certain things is, you know, when you create that community, you I can literally call up anybody tomorrow and they'll be able to, to help or you know, be willing to assist. And, and that's kind of how, I got on the you know the the staff here, so the the sense of community is, is is really important, and I just wish more people. And maybe this situation changes things for communities because I do see communities getting together and, and trying to help and support each other. So one of the things that comes out of this situation with this virus is that I hope we get back to that sense of community. Um, if you touch on that a little bit, Kareem, on how the importance of of community. Community is, is huge. I mean, because in, in a sense, we go back to, you know, one of the old mantras is that um, it takes a village to raise a child. And without having that community, now what happens is that that child is lost. And that child doesn't know how to interact with different types of people. That child doesn't know the importance of character, the importance of respect, or even work ethic, because that's not what they're being exposed to within a community. So, if you have a community that is in the that's had everybody's in the best interest, now what happens is that everybody rises. So when the tide rises, everybody's gonna have success. Versus whereas though you have a I wanna say a more individualized community, whereas though that only a certain amount of people is gonna win. In our country, we've been like that for so long. Now we're at the point where though that this particular virus is affecting everybody, regardless of your economic standing. So as a country, we all should be supporting each other and we all should be looking out for the best interests of everyone and not just for those with a whole bunch of money. Mm, that's so true. That is so true. Yes, uh, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, Coach, thanks for um, uh, being on. Any last words, mm-hmm. any shout-outs you want to give anybody or anything like that? Uh, I just miss our young ladies not seeing them, not being around them to mentor them. Um, I give a shout-out to those young ladies. They did a great job this year. Really good job. I'm proud of him. Absolutely. Kareem, any last words? Well, well, Coach, and we didn't have a whole lot of time. Um, but, again, I'm, I'm hoping that since the last time I had an opportunity to plant seeds, petty seeds in your mind, that you have become even more petty since the last time we spoke. 
through me. me. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not more petty. You got okay. Now we gotta start watering the seeds so that you become even more petty, so we can have some some petty roots grow. So you, if you're a coach, you gotta be petty. You have to be like, listen, you went zero for eight from the three point line. You better not shoot another one. I swear on my life, you better not shoot another one. That's how. Petty oh you no! Be. I tell him to shoot the next one. You tell him to shoot the next one. <laughs> no, you need to tell him that if you shoot another one, you might just go get me some soda and popcorn because you're off the team. <laughs> no, nah, you got to keep on empowering them. They'll make the. I'll take one for nine. Coach is probably one of the least petty people that I've I've known. Um, and <laughs> you know, somebody could go over eight from three, and he still say shoot it with conviction. Like it, I'm well, like, you're me. <laughs> yeah, I I agree in the professional realm. But prior to us coming on, he already told the kids in the neighborhood, nobody better not come on my basketball on court and shoot. How about that? <laughs> I, I, the next one, you can't, you don't know if you're going to miss the next one. Don't shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to wrap up this podcast by, uh, I guess, speaking about some of the things that we talked about today, about um, finding your value. Again, I can't stress enough to use this time wisely for your assessment and, and to figure out what value um, do you bring to whatever organizations or, or you know, community um, unit that you um, belong to. Um, values is really important, but also, you know, finding the ability to be versatile and, and mm -hmm. to, um, you know, be able to not always necessarily stay in your lane and be willing to step out your lane a little bit to, to help the organization and those things of that nature. So um, again, coach, thank you for being on. We're knocking out a lot of podcasts here in season four because we ain't got nothing else to do. So <laughs> you're not late. How about that? Not late for podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Make sure you stay tuned and as always, stay empowered.